Hi there. This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's word and the ministry of the Spirit. Man, thank you so very much, Dr. Donald. So, wow, what a what a joy to uh, be doing this again. Father, we give you praise. Can we just one more time just uh, celebrate Jesus wherever we are? You know, can we just magnify the Lord, give him praise for another blessed opportunity to be thought, to be instructed in the word of righteousness. Can you can you cry out tonight for the spirit of revelation? Can you say, Heavenly Father, visit my heart with revelation knowledge? Can you place a demand upon the anointing that is present in this place? Can you say, Oh God, my Father, I ask for the spirit of revelation. Let my eyes be open to see the wonders inherent in your word in the name of Jesus. Can we have people pray? Can we have people pray in the name of Jesus? Can you be deliberate tonight? Can you ask that the Lord visit your heart with revelation knowledge? Pray everywhere, pray everywhere. Venemo zofle dite giblataha, lemo kamara gado shakandi ekiliataha. Father, we give you all the praise. Father, we give you all the praise. I kapa zufle tiste giblataha, fi kata zufle tiste And so, Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for another blessed opportunity to be thought, to be instructed, to be guided right in the word of righteousness. Lord, I ask that you lead me in line according to your only written word of God. I ask, O oh God, that you give illumination to my mind and direction to my spirit. I ask that you transform all of us, even by this word. In that holy, worthy, and majestic name, Jesus the Christ of God, we are prayed. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Can I get some amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. What a joy. What a profound joy. Praise the name of the Lord. All right, let's um let's get into the word. Hallelujah. And um we we it's still the it's still the the series looking on Abraham our father. All right, but uh we are starting a sub-series, you know, today, and um we'll be looking at the subject, the Abrahamic covenant of wealth. The Abrahamic covenant of wealth. That's what we're going to be, you know, um, trying to um, unravel and deconstruct by the help of the Holy Spirit. All right. And like Darton also said, please um, open your heart to the Lord. Okay. It's very important how you receive God's word. It's very important how you receive God's word. All right. Uh, um, before I I um, I get into some things, I'd like to appreciate. Uh, God's choice servant, Pastor Dami Ogutunde, for this real privilege and opportunity. You know, when we say these things, it's not like I always also say, it's not one of the niceties of communication. It is truly a joy and a privilege to be, you know, um, entrusted to steward of a sort, the word of God to God's people. You know, um, I've discovered that one of the 
one of the responsibilities and the demands of, um, of priesthood is to sit with the spirit of wisdom and by the help of the Holy Spirit, like an architect of a sort, design, okay, a what we can call a course content, a curriculum for the growth and the development and the establishment of God's people. And that's what Pastor Dami does week in, week out, developing by the help of the Holy Spirit, all right, what we need, because it is not every kind of spiritual knowledge you require, all right? The kind of spiritual knowledge you need is the knowledge, all right, that glorifies Jesus, that reveals him and makes your own life better. So, for instance, when you talk about um, who did Cain God marry to, that, that's, that's a spiritual knowledge, but it's not relevant in your own life, in your own context. So, it's not every kind of spiritual knowledge you taste, okay? So, the knowledge that glorifies Jesus, that reveals Jesus, and makes your life better, that's the kind of knowledge you should taste. Praise the name of the Lord. All right? Because, you know, uh, Osea says, he says, my people are destroyed. For the lack of knowledge, my people, God's people, God's own, you know, possession. It says they are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So the antidote, the remedy for these was provided in Jeremiah chapter 3 and 15. Hallelujah. Can we still hear me? A call came in out to uh, cut the call. Can you still hear me? All right, I think so you can. All right, so uh, I, I was saying the, the remedy, the antidote for that was recorded in the book of Jeremiah 3, where the Bible says, you know, I will give you pastors after my heart who will feed you. Okay, so there is a feeding system. It says who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. So the preaching and the teaching of the word is always to the end that it communicates of a necessity, knowledge and understanding, because that's how believers are established in the kingdom. And that's what our dear man of God does every every week, every week, Wednesdays, you know, Sunday to Sunday, push buttons. Can we just, you know, celebrate the gift of Pastor Dami? Uh, can we just lavish our love on him? We love you, sir. I truly, truly love and honor you, sir, for all you do. It's such a, a privilege to be vitally connected with you. We love and celebrate you, dear sir. I will pray that the grace of God upon your life will continue to um, increase and even reach the ends of the earth. We love you, sir. God bless your heart. Amen and amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you for celebrating, Pastor. Yes, thank you. I can see that. We can keep still. We can still. Yes, we can. Continue to make that coming. We can't celebrate pastor enough. Okay. Hallelujah. All right. So now before before I start still speaking on the, the subject of knowledge, why we need to pay attention to these things. In the New Testament, there are four words. All right. I believe um, there are there are four words, but um actually they're not necessarily four words, they're more than four, but there are four major words that um, the New Testament writers Okay, actually translate to mean power. Okay, so there is the word dunamis. We know what dunamis means. It's being taught a lot. That's the inherent ability. All right, that's when the, the when the Bible says in Acts of Apostles chapter one and eight, it says you shall receive power. You shall receive dunamis, literally, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So dunamis refers to 
the inherent ability, supernatural and miraculous power of the Holy Ghost in a believer's life. There is another word called kratos. Okay? Kratos means, or literally means dominion, dominion and manifested power. Kratos. There is the word iskos. Okay? Iskos means prevailing power, abiding power, strength to continue. You know, when the Bible says, I can do all things, the word I can do, I can, is the word iskos. Iskos means, all right, the abiding power to continue on the course, on a journey. Now, the word I want to emphasize, all right, right now, is the word exousia. Okay, exousia is the Greek word, you know, for power that um, that means delegated authority. But delegated authority to mean that you know you are enlightened is the is the is empowerment through enlightenment. That's my emphasis. Empowerment through enlightenment. That is, there are territories and possibilities you, you may never walk in, even though written in the scriptures. Until you come into a definite awareness, exusia. Okay, so um, the 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 topic we want to consider today, we must come into a definite awareness of this truth, exusia, empowerment through enlightenment. Okay, so it's not just enough for you to know that the word of God is written. You must come into a definite conviction and awareness. That's how you walk into the possibilities of these things. Hallelujah. So we are considering the topic, the Abrahamic covenant of wealth. Hallelujah. Now, um, I've discovered through study and through just observation in the body of Christ, we have, over the years, we've had two extremes, okay? People will say that uh, don't talk about money, don't talk about wealth, don't talk about riches. Okay, because um, it will lead people to hell. People have misinterpreted scriptures that says the love of money is the root of all evil. Scriptures that says, you know, it is difficult for, as um, as, as that put again, you know, um, the scripture talking about the eye of the needle, that as difficult it is for a camel to pass through the eye of the needle, that's how difficult it is for a rich man to, you know, make heaven. So people have come, and because of that, they've, you know, misinterpreted scriptures genuinely, actually, sincerely, and um, saying that, okay, let's just make everyone. Don't talk about money, don't talk about wealth. And there's the other extreme that says everything about this life is just prosperity, just money, you know, and um, through that, people have become covetous, people have become lustful, you know, people have become, have lost integrity in the pursuit of wealth, in the pursuit of money. Both extremes are wrong. So what we want to do by this teaching, by the grace of God and by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, is to try to create a balance and understand from Scripture the covenant of wealth, okay? Does God want me to prosper? Does God want me, you know, to breast the tape of destiny, true prosperity, true wealth, okay? We come in from that covenant, from that Abrahamic lineage, okay? So is, is, is prosperity, is wealth part of the Abrahamic blessing? Hallelujah. That's what we want to consider. So what I'll be sharing tonight will be pretty foundational, Okay, because we must get the foundations right. I want to establish a solid foundation by the help of the Holy Spirit that will help, you know, and upon that, our pastors, Pastor Peace, Pastor Yinka, Pastor Ito, and Pastor Dam will be able to build 
upon in the coming weeks. Hallelujah. Now, the word salvation. When people talk about salvation, the first thing that comes to mind is forgiveness of sins. Okay? That's what comes to mind to most people. But that's, that is, that is, uh, that's not all there is to salvation. Salvation is from the word sozo. And um, it's an all-encompassing word. Salvation doesn't just mean deliverance from sin. It doesn't just mean deliverance from, you know, sickness and diseases and all of that. Salvation means joy. It means peace. It means prosperity. It means wealth. It means wholeness. All right? Wholeness of the spirit, soul, and body. So salvation is a total package. It's not just forgiveness of sin. God, you know, Jesus Christ didn't come just for you, you know, uh, to be forgiven of your sin. As powerful, as important that is, but that's not the entire teaching. That's not the entire package. Salvation also means prosperity. Praise the name of the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. Second Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. The Bible says, we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. So the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is not just from the is not just for um deliverance from sin, it's not just to heal your body, it is also to prosper you. Praise the name of the Lord. It says the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, even though he was rich, yet for our sakes. He became poor that we through his poverty might become rich. Hallelujah. So we must first and foremost establish that it is God's desire, it is God's will for the believer to prosper. Hallelujah. Say I'm prosperous. <laughs> Hallelujah. It is God's desire for the believer to be prosperous in all aspects of life. Now, let me also say something, you know, very, um, very important. That prosperity does not just refer, okay, to material or to financial wealth or financial resources. We're still going to get into Abraham. There are a lot of things we must learn, but we must establish this, you know, foundational truth about prosperity, about wealth in the kingdom. Okay, so prosperity first and foremost means advancement. Advancement in life and destiny. So if I can see that you are advancing mentally, okay, you are advancing, all right, in your life, the quality of your vision, the quality of your dream, the quality of your capacity as a human being, that is prosperity, okay? So um, finances is a part of prosperity, but that's not all there is to prosperity. Praise the name of the Lord. So I said prosperity is advancement. It is the improvement and the development of your personal life, your vision, dream, and your capacity as a person. Okay? So let's, um, let's quickly get to Abraham. Before I start to discuss the levels of prosperity and all of that, let's, 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 let's get to Abraham very quickly. Um, let's go to Genesis chapter 14 as we begin to um, unravel some of this truth that we will be sharing tonight. Genesis chapter 14. I'll, I would like to begin from there. All right. Genesis chapter 14. Okay. There's a whole, let me just summarize the story now. So uh, uh, Genesis 14 begins and um, what we see there is a clash of kings. Five kings came out and, and there was just a fight between them, a fight for social, political, 
and economic dominance. There's a lesson to learn here. I think let's just read a portion so it doesn't look like um, we're just saying these things. Let's just read a portion. Genesis chapter 14, and I'll just read about two verses, and uh, we will start from there. And it came to pass in the days of Amphia, king of China, Ariel, king of Elisha, Chandoma, king of Elam. All right? That they made war with Bera, king of Sodom, Bisha, king of Gomorrah. Shainab, king of Adma, and all of that. In the 14th year, Chandaloma and the kings that were with him came and attacked, and all of that. And, um, and from verse 6, and all right, the mountain of Sia, as far as Eoparan, verse 8, and the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma, the king of Zebulam, and the king of Bela, that is Zohar, went out and joined together in battle in the valley of Sidon. So technically, it was a war between kings. Abraham had no best in this war. It was a war amongst kings, you know, social, economic, and political dominance and relevance. Okay? And it was noise abroad that Lot had been taken captive. It was noise abroad. Somebody came to Abraham and said, your, 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 your nephew Lot has been taken away. So the, the first lesson we must learn here is that Whenever there is a war, or whenever there is a, a, a there is there is agitations, all right, in political, economic, and uh, and social spaces, that's not the time for the believer to be quiet. Okay, so many things are happening around us. There is a whole lot of talk where politics, where economic, where um, social matters are concerned. Okay, so when kings are fighting. And uh, if you have not trained yourself to be at that same level, because we, we, we later see, saw in that scripture that Abraham had trained 318 soldiers born in his own household. The first thing I'd like to say is that there are certain wars you cannot fight if you are not worthy, or if you don't know some of these things we're going to be sharing. Okay? Five kings came together to war, and Abraham was not even a part of it. But it was noise abroad that his nephew, you know, had been taken captive. And what did he do at that time? Because he had been training. He had been training. He had been developing himself. He had been training the people of his household. When war broke out, he was not there complaining about the government, complaining about the system. He participated actively in the economic, the political, and social dominance of that time. because. One of the things that happen is that whenever you bring value into a place, what you are rewarded with is wealth, ultimately. Lot was not training for the day of battle, so he became a victim of assault, an economic and a political victim. But um, Abraham had been training 318 soldiers born in his own household. The first thing, again, I would like to say, or the second thing, the fourth thing, whatever you, you want to call it, is that laziness is anti-covenant. Laziness is anti-covenant. Abraham had trained 318 persons in the time of peace. You don't train for war in the time of war. You train for war in the time of peace. Hallelujah. All right? So Abraham had trained 318 soldiers in his house. And they were going to go into the field, economic field, political field, social field. They're going to deliver a lot. So this fight was just a fight of prayer. It was a fight of resources. 
Because if you don't, if you don't have resources in some spaces, you cannot compete. All right. So um, Abraham had began to train his people. He had began to train his servants. He had began to train the people born in his household. It was a fight for love. It was a fight for love and for love. It was a fight for love. Because somebody had been taken captive and he needed to rescue the person. Okay? So in our, in our journey into the Abrahamic covenant of wealth and our Christian race and all of that, there are certain battles we cannot fight if we are not graced with resources. People have been taken captive. Poverty has taken a whole lot of people captive. Drug addiction. There are so many social vices we see in our society. If you are not engraced with wealth, you will complain. You will, you will complain like a lot and maybe probably even be taken captive. God forbid. All right? So the first thing we see, you know, in the life of Abraham when it comes to wealth is that, you know, laziness is, is, is anti-covenant. I think Pastor spoke about that on Sunday, all right? How that that is one of it's a self-sabotaging pattern. You can't be lazy and be wealthy, not in the kingdom, not in the Abrahamic lineage. There is that training you must begin to engage yourself in right now. Training for the political terrain, training for the economic terrain, training for the social terrain. Because once you train like that, you are ultimately rewarded with wealth. Hallelujah. Because the wealth we are talking about here is not the breakthrough wealth. Because when people talk about wealth, most times they talk about wealth religiously. I'm waiting for a breakthrough. Somebody just come and dash me money. No, sir. It can happen, but that's not, that's not a consistent pattern. That's not a consistent pathway. Okay? There's a training. There's a training that you need to undergo. Hallelujah. God will begin to give you the type of training that is relevant for the kind of wealth he wants you to possess. Praise the name of the Lord. So we have established that laziness is anti-covenant. He was training 318 soldiers, born in his own household. And through those soldiers, he was able to defeat five kings. Hallelujah. So what are you training for now? That is preparing you for the wealth that is coming. Okay? Earlier in the year, the Lord gave me specific instructions, you know, regarding some type of training I need to undergo, all right? He said, once you do this, you are a- you'll be able to play in this political space. Go do this training after the season, and you're, and you're ready to play there, okay? So the wealth we're talking about is not just going to jump on you from heaven. It's not just going to be, you know, uh, come from one kind of victory or miracle alert, okay? The kind of breakthrough, the kind of wealth we are talking about is a kind of generational wealth that you are able to pass to other people. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. All right. So we, we have been able to establish first and foremost that we need to train in such a way that we can interact and compete at the level of kings. That kings are not, um, that when kings are even fighting, when there's a, a, a clamor for political spaces and relevance and social issues, that you are not just at the backside like Lot, okay? You are like Abraham because you have prepared for battle even in the time of peace. Hallelujah. Very quickly, let me share with you five levels of prosperity. I've established the fact that prosperity is not just having money, okay? Prosperity is wholeness. It is wellness. It is it is um it is all encompassing. It's all encompassing. So the first level of 
prosperity, because these are foundational truths. By maybe next week and upper, we could begin to go deeper into financial management and um, the skills you need to acquire and all of that. But right now, we need to, you know, first, you know, um, glean the spiritual perspective of God's kind of wealth. The first level of prosperity is spiritual wealth, is spiritual prosperity. You must be rich spiritually. That's the first level. Before you start to talk about wealth financially and materially, the first place God wants you to be rich and rich abundantly is spiritually. And when we talk about spiritual prosperity, we're talking about being born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, loving Jesus and doing his will part time. Okay, it says in John chapter 17 and 3, it says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Hallelujah. Loving Jesus, spiritual prosperity. You must be prosperous spiritually. He said, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper in all things, even as I so prosper. So the, the prosperity, first and foremost, is not just to have money. It's not just to, you know, to have wealth because wealth without purpose will destroy. The Bible says the prosperity of fools will destroy them. So if you have wealth and you don't, you don't understand the purpose of the wealth, you don't understand the source of it, you are likely to even destroy yourself. So the first plane God wants us to prosper is to prosper spiritually, loving Jesus, knowing him and being fervent in the spirit. Hallelujah. The second level of prosperity is mental or intellectual prosperity. Okay? So, uh, to, 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 to be rich, to be, to be prosperous mentally means that you, your, your belief system is superior. You are, you, you outsource your belief system. Alright? You can, you, you, you are stretching and expanding the quality of your mind. Praise the name of the Lord. You can't just be rich just by having money and, you know, um, when we engage you, when we speak with you, it's just it's nothing there. Okay? So God wants us to prosper spiritually. He wants us to prosper, you know, um, mentally, intellectually. When we read that same story, because we're trying to, you know, get Ghana all of these things from the life of Abraham, we can see all of these dimensions Operational in the life of Abraham. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 14 and 15, Obs, you can help put that up, you know, on the page. It says, um, Genesis 14 and 15, look at this, talking about God wanting you to prosper mentally. The Bible says, He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobab, that is north of Damascus. He knew that he had to divide the forces by night. He loved that in the morning. But he had enough mental prosperity, intellectual sagacity to divide the forces by night. Strategy, okay? Blueprints about war, about how to, about, you know, you know, about, in, this, in the context of Abraham right now, about war. He was able to divide the forces by night. He was rich mentally. He was rich intellectually. Another plane, God wants us to prosper spiritually, mentally. God wants us to prosper physically. 
Okay, he wants us to prosper bodily wise. You know, your your I, I your body is the house where your spirit lives. Okay, now if you have all the money in the world and um, a man is sick, you know, there he can't he can't really enjoy that wealth because his body is 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 not wealthy. So there's spiritual wealth, there's mental wealth, there is physical and bodily wealth. Okay, so. You know, sometimes we think of wealth, you know, physically, bodily, meaning that, you know, um, you are, you have, you are taking, for instance, lunch. I have about three bottles of whatever. You have about 10 pieces of, of, of red meat, you know, and all of that. You are killing yourself. You don't know if you eat that way. Okay. So there is, there is balance. There is, um, there is moderation. In this thing, so you 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 want to find out, okay, how do I make this body better? Okay, now I know that there's a lot of people who do exercises, people go to the gym, people work out, and do all of those things. Those are very they are necessary because you must prosper, you know, body wise. You must prosper physically because if anything happens to your body, whatever. You know, uh, whatever the money that you have, whatever the spiritual insight you have, you may not be able to execute them to the full because the body is sick. So there's spiritual prosperity, there's mental prosperity, there is bodily or physical prosperity, and of course, there is financial prosperity. Praise the name of God. Let us read some scriptures. Let's read some scriptures. Proverbs chapter number 22, verse 2 and 7. Proverbs chapter number 22. Verses 2 and 7, like I said, we're just trying to establish some basic foundational truth about wealth as we consider the life of Abraham. Proverbs chapter number 22, um, I begin to read from verse 2 and I'll read verse 7. Praise the name of the Lord. The Bible says, the rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. Notice the Bible didn't say the Lord made rich. He didn't say the Lord made the poor. He says the rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. So the rich, the, the, the men find themselves upon the face of the earth and they stratify themselves into rich and into poor. But God is the maker of them all. So being rich and being poor is ultimately the choice of a man. God doesn't make anybody poor. God doesn't make anybody rich. You decide by the laws of wisdom and by the laws of kingdom wealth, you know, and physical laws too, to either decide what part of the pendulum you want to be. But God's desire is that we believers, we are, you know, we are on that prosperous path. So there is financial prosperity. Okay? And um, verse 7 says, The rich rules over poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. The rich rules over the poor. It's an eternal law. The rich believer, the rich, you know, not believer, not born again, the rich anything rules over the poor anything. The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is eternally servant to the lender. There is nothing good about poverty. There is nothing good about lack. There is no humility in poverty. There is no humility in lack. Okay? One wealthy mindset we must cultivate is that God desires to bless his children. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. 
Praise the name of the Lord. The Bible says in Psalms 35 and 27, it says, let them shout for joy and be glad. It says, let them shout for joy and be glad. It says, because God, you know, um, let them shout. Can we just look at it? I think um, so I won't just uh, wrongly quote that Psalms, Psalms 35 and verse 27. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, it says, let them shout for joy and be glad. Who favor my righteous cause? It says, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified. Who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants? So there's financial prosperity. God wants you to prosper. The Bible says of Abraham that he was rich and prosperous. He was rich in livestock. He was rich. He was very rich. Hallelujah. So it's not God's desire for his children to be poor or to live beggarly lives. No. There is God wants us to prosper spiritually. He wants us to prosper mentally, physically, financially. And the last thing I will talk about in this, you know, levels of prosperity is that God wants you to prosper relationally. Hallelujah. You know, you, you, can, you, can, you can have money and all of those things and um, be spiritual and all of that. If you don't have good and quality relationship, you may not really enjoy, you know, that quality of life. So there is relational prosperity, okay? That is it that that speaks about the quality of relationships you have. The quality of relationships you have, your 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 network, your you know, the people around you, okay? The 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 kind of quality relationship you have been able to build and sustain over the years. Don't joke with people. People are not just People are not things, okay? There is, there, is, there is a dimension of prosperity that you may never walk in if you don't even know someone, okay? So there is, there is a whole lot, okay, about, about people. People are special to God. People are important. So you don't joke with people, okay? You don't trivialize people. You don't treat people as if they are nothing, okay? So there is relational prosperity, prospering, all right, via the quality of the people in and around your life. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Very quickly, um, we, we, we've, we've, we've understood the, the five levels of prosperity. God wants us to prosper spiritually, mentally, okay, uh, body-wise, you know, financially, and um, relationally praise the name of the lord praise the name of the lord now what's the purpose of wealth where does wealth comes from because we must understand all of these things okay where does wealth comes from why does god wants to prosper us okay what are the truth that are irrefutable about wealth the first thing we must glean in this section in this aspect is that all wealth, all blessings, all wealth, blessings, every good thing, every good thing of life, sir, comes from God. It doesn't come from your skill. It doesn't come from your talent. It doesn't come from your family name and background. Every kind of blessing, every kind of blessing, financially, spiritually, everything you can call blessing, good, perfect, okay, comes directly from God. We must understand this as the basis. We must understand God as the source, as the giver of every good thing. Genesis chapter number 14, 21 and 22. Genesis chapter 14, 
after Abram's victory, he said something very profound. Genesis chapter 21, we begin to read from verses 20. Genesis 14, beg your pardon. Genesis 14, we begin to read from verses 21 and 22. Thank you. The Bible says, now the king of Sodom said to Abraham, he said, give me the presents and take the goods for yourself. But Abraham made a very profound statement. He says, but Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God Most High. He is the possessor of heaven and the earth. The reason why Abraham would not take anything from Sodom, which a representation, a replica, you know, of anything and everything that is fleshy, that is, you know, corrupt, that is earthly, that is sensual. Okay? Sodom speaks about making gains through means that are not, you know, sanctioned in Christ Jesus. Bribery, corruption, scheming, you know, um, cutting corners to make money. That's what Sodom represents. It says, take the goods and um, give me the presents. You take the goods. But Abraham understood this. He says, I have raised my hand to the Lord God Most High, possessor of heaven and the earth. Psalms 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all they that dwell therein. Okay, the first truth we must establish about wealth, about kingdom prosperity, you know, about money, is that all blessings come from God. All blessings emanate from God. God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. James chapter 1 and 17. It says every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God. Agai chapter 2 and 8. The Lord God himself said, he says, the silver is mine. The gold is mine. Whatever you are looking for. Understand this, it comes and it can only emanate from God. Hallelujah. Not your degree, not your family name, not how you are able to, you know, speak with people, not how you are able to, you know, interact and manipulate the system. No, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. All blessing flows from God. Okay? So we are only steward of God's resources. We are only stewards. Once you understand that you are a steward, it, um, it, it, it gives the perspective that you understand that everything I have is from the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. We are stewards. So no matter how blessed you are, once you understand that this, is, this comes from God, you are able to vocally, you know, um, on a certain Unashamedly, you know, acknowledge God as the source of everything that you have. Praise the name of the Lord. The reason why people get wealthy and after a time, you know, pride begins to come and all kind of things is because they don't acknowledge the source of the wealth. There is this scripture I'd like us to read, even as we um, I can see that the time is already running. Um, first Chronicles chapter 29. Let's read First Chronicles chapter 29. First Chronicles chapter 29, as we, um, First Chronicles chapter 29, beginning from verses 10. Hallelujah. First Chronicles chapter 29, 10. We see here how that, you know, David had provided for the temple and was completed and he was just about giving God praise. Listen to these words. Listen to these words. It says, therefore, David blessed the Lord before the assembly. And David said, 
Blessed are you, Lord God of heaven, Lord God of Israel, Father, forever and ever. It says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty, for all that is in heaven and the earth is yours. Look at that. All that's in heaven and earth is yours. Just the kingdom, O Lord, you and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from where? Comes from your, your certificate, comes from your degree. No. It says both riches and honor come from you. And you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our Lord, we thank you and praise your glorious name. It says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come of you. And of your own we have given you. What a perspective. Verse 16 now says, O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house for your name is from your hand and is all your own. All blessings are come from the Lord. Once you understand that all blessings come from God, you are able to part with anything. Nothing will be able to be so attached to you that you can't give away. The reason why people struggle with tithes, struggle with offerings, and struggle with other kingdom givings is this lack of revelation that all things ultimately emanate from God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you are, you are able to give God anything and everything. When God requested for Isaac in Genesis chapter 22 from Abraham, Abraham was able to part with Isaac. Why? Because he understood that revelation that God is the possessor of heaven and the earth. In, in the New Testament, we understood that the, the, uh, about Abraham, how that the New Testament writer said he believed God, that God was able to raise Isaac because Isaac came from him. And so he can raise him up even though he killed him. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. This will end selfishness. This will end greed. This will kill covetousness. This will kill, you know, ulterior motives to get wealth. If you understand that first and foremost, everything you have comes from God. Hallelujah. Number two, the purpose of wealth. Number two, the purpose of wealth is so that you can be a channel, a conduit. So if all you think about wealth, is just so that you can, in the words of Pastor Dami, you know, um, how does it say now? See, can, cannot yet, and um, all of that. If all, if that's your perspective about wealth, that is just for you and for you alone. No, no, no. Whenever God gives wealth, is to the end that you can be a channel to other people. It's the name of the Lord. Genesis chapter twelve. Genesis chapter twelve. As we begin to. Um, give um, closure to this truth. Genesis chapter number 12, when God called Abraham and God said his words to him, it says from verse 2, the Bible says, I will make you a great nation, I will bless you. That is level one. Making Abraham a great nation, blessing him is level one in the economy of wealth. Okay? Level two says, I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. You shall be a blessing. I will bless you, level one. Level two, you shall be a blessing. Okay? So the purpose of the blessing 
in your life is so that you can be a conduit, all right, a pipe, a channel to other people. Okay, so that you can be a a a, a, a river that can flow through other people. Okay, God doesn't want you to be a reservoir of His blessing because that is anti-covenant. He says, "I will bless you." And you shall be a blessing. You shall be a blessing. Meaning because of you, people will say, thank you, Jesus. Okay? So the, the, the purpose of kingdom wealth is not just for yourself. It's not just for your family. It's not just so you can live a comfortable life. It's not just so that you can drive a Benz and, be, and live, a, you know, uh, um, live in luxurious houses and all of that. No, no, no. Far from it. The purpose of kingdom wealth is so you can be a channel of blessing. There is a scripture, I think that was in Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus was speaking. He says, I was sick. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't come see me. I was in the prison. I was, I was, I was hungry. You know, you didn't feed me. And they were wondering, my Lord, when were you sick? When were you, you know, naked? When were you, um, in prison? Now we didn't come visit you. He said, as long as you did not do it to these people, you have, you have, you have not done it to me. Okay. So the purpose of this world is so you can clothe the naked, okay? You can feed the hungry, you know, you can, you, you can, through your wealth, you, you, you can send, you know, um, um, you can sponsor million field. You can do things for the kingdom via the wealth God is going to place in your hands. Hallelujah. So the, the, the wealth is not just for you. It's so you can be a blessing. Once we understand this foundational truth about wealth, money, will not be an issue. Money will not destroy you. Money is neutral, actually. It takes on the character of the possessor, all right? So it's not money that makes men, you know, prideful and boastful and vainglorious. No, it is the character of the person. So once you understand these foundational principles about wealth, that all money comes from God, all wealth blessing comes from God, you know, that God gives you wealth so that you can be a condition, so you can be a pipe, so that you can be a river, when the money comes, there's nothing to be proud of. There'll be nothing to be, you know, to boast about because you understand the purpose of this money, of this wealth. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. And the third thing I will share as I close and as I read some of the scripture is that there are certain ideas, sir. <laughs> there are certain information that God will never route through, through you except your wealth and influential. That's why God wants you to be wealthy. Look at the scripture in Genesis chapter 18. God wanted to go destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said something profound. Genesis chapter number 18. I refuse to be poor. I refuse to be in lack. I refuse to want. Alright? Because it is God's desire for you to be prosperous. Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. Beginning from verse 17. Hallelujah. Okay. The Bible says, of, it says, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Hallelujah. Shall I hide? That is, there are certain ideas God wants to give you. There are certain information that God wants to route, you know, through you. 
Because there are certain happenings that will happen upon the earth that only wealthy and influential folk will be able to carry it. Hallelujah. You see, when, when Jesus died and was buried, the disciples, you know, they were powerful, filled with the Holy Ghost you know, and all of that. But they couldn't legislate at the level. Okay? They couldn't go to Pilate to ask for Jesus' body because they were not, you know, it was not flowing. The money was not there. They were not wealthy at the time. It took a disciple who was wealthy called Joseph of Arimathea. It was Joseph that went to Pilate on the basis of his wealth, on the basis of his influence, and demanded for the body of Christ. Hallelujah. A wealthy man. So when people start to talk about wealth and, um, in, uh, you know, sometimes people talk about wealth and say, all oh, these rich people. When you say all oh, these rich people, you are excluding yourself. You say all oh, these rich people, see them, see them, because see them, all these rich people. That's how they do, all these rich people. <laughs> are you excluding yourself? It says, since Abraham shall surely become a great nation, I cannot hide this thing from him. So God wants us to get to a level where he wants to do certain things upon the earth and we need to route that information through us because we carry the wealth and we carry the influence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the, in, was he in Exodus now? The dream of Pharaoh, it, it could have been routed through another means, but it could have God, the, the, the only person that had the kind of influence and wealth to hear that kind of information, to hear that kind of dream, to see that kind of vision was Pharaoh. There were Jews in the land, but they, they didn't have that capacity to hear the dream, to see the dream because, you know, they, know they were connected to God, but it took God to come through and hidden to establish what he wanted to do in the next 14 years. He said there will be seven years of farming and there will be seven years of plenty. He was routed through an eating king because all the people who were supposed to, all right, who were connected to God, didn't have that kind of influence, okay? Didn't have that kind of influence. Thank God for Joseph gave him the interpretation of the dream. So we must rise. We must rise. We must rise. God wants to bless us. God has even blessed us, okay? But we must begin to utilize this kingdom principles, understanding that everything comes from God, understanding that, you are a pipe, you are a conduit, understanding that, you know, there are certain things God will not do except we have come into that full maturation of, you know, influence and of wealth. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we give you all the praise. Father, we give you all the praise. Yes. So, as uh, I will just read one more scripture and... Um, we, we can tie this up. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Um, it, uh, it, what I'm about to read is a very pathetic story. And, um, but it's the reality for most folks. And um, that is one reason why the believer must prosper in every area. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9. It's a story. I begin to read from verse 13. The Bible says about this man, This wisdom I have also seen under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was, a lit, there was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it, besieged it, and built great snacks around it, snares around it. Now there was found in it a poor wise man, 
and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. Hallelujah. There is nothing good about poverty, saints of God. Don't let anybody preach another gospel to you. There is nothing good about it. There is nothing good about lack. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing. There is, there is nothing to glory in poverty. Christ came, you know, and um, he, he came to break the curse of poverty. He came to break the curse of sickness. Refuse it, refuse it with your whole heart. Because every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, comes from the Lord. God wants us to prosper. God is, you know, he, he, he delights in the prosperity of his servant. God wants us to prosper. And through this teaching and subsequent ones that will come, you know, it's I believe that as we learn God's word, as we um, tabernacle around his word, it gives us insight, it gives us revelation, and uh, we'll be able to magnify the truth about this. Let me conclude, you know, with what happened between Abraham and Melchizedek. Very important, very important. I believe other speakers will speak about giving, about tithing, and about other you know, kingdom covenant when it comes to, you know, the principle of wealth. Now, like, like, like I shared earlier, if Abraham had interacted with Sodom and had collected the goods, wouldn't have gotten to Salem. So there is Sodom and there is Salem. All right? Sodom, I said, represents everything that is worldly, everything that is fleshy, everything that is, you know, cutting corners and all of those things. But when Abraham refused to take the portion, all right, of Sodom, he got into Salem. That's when Melchizedek appeared to him. Whenever you say no to the dictate of the word, whenever you say no, all right, to cutting corners, to, you know, trying to manipulate to get rich, what you encounter is Salem. You encounter Melchizedek. And Melchizedek will bring to you, okay, bread and wine. Hallelujah. Once you refuse Sodom, you enter Salem, okay? But if you shake hands and partner with Sodom, you have no business with Salem. Salem is the place of righteousness, is the place of peace. It is the place of wealth. Praise the name of the Lord. God bless our hearts in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Dr. So over to you. Thank you so much, Pastor Mike. That was such an insight session. Sorry. Can you just say a very big thank you to Pastor Mike? And wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Powerpoint Tribe.